Hi, welcome to Season 6, Episode 1 of our podcast series on Marketing ROI. I'm Mary Abazia, and with me is Tom Spitali and Sean Wellam. Hi, guys. Hi. Um, we're with Impact Planning Group. Uh, what we have a, a strong desire to do is always help elevate marketing. And in that spirit, we, uh, we're going to focus on ROI, return on investment. And one of the reasons is it's, it's always on everyone's mind especially more than ever. You know, there's so much pressure on resources and funds right now. Um, and frankly, marketing is usually one of the first things that gets cut. And there's always a question of what is the value of what you're really doing? So we thought we would take that head on with this, this episode, uh, really starting to answer some tough questions. Um, but before we do that, Sean, would you just give us a, a quick definition of what return on investment ROI is? Yeah, sure. In simple terms, it's the ratio of the incremental profit you make expressed as a ratio of the investment needed to make that profit. So say you invested um, £10,000 into an investment and you returned £1,000 of profit, then that 1000 as a ratio of the 10 is 0.1. Typically in ROI, even though it's a ratio, we express it as a percentage. So that 0.1 ratio becomes 10%. So that, that 10000 with a investment with a thousand profit would be a 10% ROI. Um, one thing to mention, ROI doesn't necessarily take into account the time value of money. So it's traditional to talk about an X year ROI. So you might say this is a three year ROI of 15% or a two year ROI of 27%. And that's the only modification over and above the simple math that I'd recommend is, is, is factoring the time period for that return as well. Nice, nice. And pounds, of course, because of, um, you're over on Did the I other side pound? of the Well, that is what I have in my, in my defense. That's what I have in my pocket. So, is it um, a different for some of it's money? You know? Does it work for <laughs> Does it work for... Yeah, yeah. Any, any decimal currency will do you just fine. I think most currencies are. <laughs> Although I have to say that since Brexit, the pound in my pocket is probably worth about the same as a dollar. So it's, it's transferable in many ways, not just in the fact that it's decimal. <laughs> Tom, did you want to add anything else to that? No, I, I think that's that's uh, enough of a definition to get the discussion started. So let's so, go. So, you know, what the big question is, how can we make sure that marketing isn't that first thing that's that's cut in the budget? How, how, how do companies do that? How do you see clients do it? And how how do we see that there are best practices to not be on the chop, chopping block first? Do I get to go first? Yeah, you get to go first, Tom. Okay. Can't tell if you're looking at me or Sean, Mary. So, I know. Right. Zoom, so I, I, my my answer to that is is is, is the first the first thing that, that I think that marketing can do to make sure it's not the first cut is 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 to to begin the process of elevating your role. What I mean is, if marketing's role in an organization is really only about um, campaigns and um, lead generation, you know the, the which are, which are very important. I don't mean to diminish it, we, but we, we just have a much broader view of what marketing is. And, and if you're relegated to just those areas, you know, it makes it really difficult because people start looking at the dollars and cents that go against the campaign. And even if it seems like a good idea, you know, maybe there's not that much money that's available and there's other things that are deemed more important. But if you are, truly a strategic marketing department 
and um, you know what you are, what you are doing is fundamental to the business in both defining the markets that the business needs to go after, the targets, the segments, helping price products, and doing you know collateral and lead development and all of those things. All of a sudden, now it's a lot harder to cut your payroll, cut your, your, your organization's um, you know, headcount because you're, you're so much of a fundamental part of, of, of the business and the activities that you're doing are important in any kind of an economy and sometimes even more important in the down economy. So I know that sounds like a big ask. Um, uh, over our podcasts, we, we, we try to you know, help companies see how, how do I take that path from where I am today to a bigger path in the company. But fundamentally, that's the direction you've got to move uh, to make marketing a more um, you know, stable uh, investment area in your company. That's good. And Sean? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, marketing's challenge is, is, is to demonstrate that relevance and that, that, that direct line to profitability and to the top line. Um, marketing is often the first thing to be cut. And, and there's two hurdles to get over when you're deciding which departments to cut. One is, is absolute. Where do we have fat on the bones that we can cut? That's the discipline you should always be addressing. The second thing is what will have the least damaging impact in, in the short term? And of course, marketing often works on a lag effect. The, the, what we spend this quarter is reflected in the next quarter and sometimes over the horizon. So you need to make sure that the relevancy of the returns that you expect from your marketing budget are clearly understood. And it's not always a case of, 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 a, of a, a, a binary decision. Do we cut marketing or not? Sometimes it's about reallocating. Maybe you spend less on marketing, but you change the channels. In a certain environment, you might change the message or the tagline. You might focus on a different segment that you think might have increased opportunities during the circumstances. So you have to be nimble and look at how you're always adding value, uh, but also face into the reality that there's a relative element to this too. And, and when you're looking at you've got nowhere else to cut and you're in a crisis, guess what? Marketing, training, certain HR functions they will temporarily be cut because that's, that's a business survival mode. So you've got to do what you can to, to increase that relevancy and be flexible enough to adapt and make sure the connection between top line revenue growth and your behaviors and actions and investments are clearly understood. And the more you can articulate that, the, the better shape you'll be to survive the, uh, the impending cull that comes along every so many so many years. I, I, I like it. Go ahead, Tom. I just wanted to add one more point to that because I think Sean and I are talking, you know, about this topic of increasing relevancy, and it may sound pedantic um, or 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 overreaching even. But I think that that the advice for how to start on that journey of relevance is find one thing about the strategic processes in your company that marketing is not responsible for and make inroads there, you know, figure out how you can become more intertwined, take on um, some kind of a project, whether it's around emerging customer needs or trend analysis, something that marketing is not responsible for now. And as almost like a pilot program, figure out how to convince the business to let you, to do that. And then when that starts working, take on more and more and more. I think that's the practical part of all of this is what can you do today to become more strategically relevant in the company than you are already? I think also, Mary, I, I think it's, it's true that the, you know, we, we can look at this, um, 
uh, inwardly. And we always say to our marketers, look out, look out of the window, look at the world beyond, don't look within, don't be looking at internally. And when we're facing a crisis of some description that requires a budget cut or a trim, everyone else or a lot of other people are facing the same thing. Our customers' priorities change, our customers' concerns change, our customers' needs change. And the more that we are in tune with that, the more we can make a compelling case for how we should adjust our marketing rather than cut or continue as was. We can adjust based on that. And I think it's a key discipline in, in marketing to make sure that you are tuned in to that customer's world. And unless you're unfortunate enough to be in a situation that is only affecting you because your chief executive has made a pretty bad decision and you're, you're facing the consequences, if you're looking at a more macro environmental challenge, a, a, a recession, a, a pandemic, and other things that we've become familiar with. Um, remember, your job is to reflect your customers' changing needs, and that can also increase your value to your own business because you become more relevant to the customer. Yeah, I like what you I like that point, and I like when you said it wasn't binary, because if you think about it, marketing's role is always to be looking at what are the options that are out there in the market that we should be investing in and um, being able to help shift that um, along with that is having finance as your friend so that you can, you may, you may be able to identify that there are opportunities, but being able to financially articulate it in the organization, um, especially there, there's, you know, the big picture is that everyone's asking for money and, roads lead back to finance. So to be able to see how this fits into it and make that case that yes, in, in fact, you know, we, we know that these customers needs are changing. If we invest here, we're going to actually do better. So having all those options in your back pocket and having dialogue, ongoing dialogue with finances is, is healthy. I think you've condensed the, uh, the, the topic of this initial podcast into one sentence. I really do. I think um, how do how does marketing avoid being the first department that's cut in a circumstance that's a recession or similar? Speak the language of finance. I think that's the answer to the question. Of course, there's a lot of nuances and a lot of depth to go into, but don't think of marketing in, in terms of uh, activities, the ads that we're placing, the programs we're developing, the products we're creating, the positioning we're, we're, we're constructing. Think of the consequence of what we do and speak the language of finance. Because if you can put that in terms of not just if we do this, then that will happen sort of consequence of the return on investment or the, the net present value sort of discussions, but also if we don't do this, then this will probably happen. What they call the counterfactual argument. You've got to be good at saying, let's consider the not just the the the, the the positive outcome, but the, the negative outcome of, of doing nothing. Translate that into finance. I think, I think that's, uh, we could have made this a very short podcast. Speak the language <laughs> of finance. Thank you very much. Good night. But I, I, think, I think it goes even farther than just finance. I think what we're really talking about here is internal stakeholder management. I mean, we talk a lot and there's podcasts on stakeholder management, influencer maps, and looking externally at the world and figuring out how, how decision makers um, are, are decision making power is is shifting. I think you know um, a good marketer also does that internally in their company, and not only learns to to speak the language of, of finance, but the language of, of of really other important functions in the company. 
and is able to put their investments, uh, their investment ideas into those terms, not just finance, but how it helps the company to reach overall important goals. The, the cool part about all that is if you do a really, really good job of that, you marketing can and should become sort of the shaper of what is what those topics are. You know, I mean, they can begin to take the lead in the company and saying what the goal should be, what the different functions should be trying to do because marketing has their finger on the most important external constituency, the customers, and that should translate into, you know, what's, what's being talked about internally at the company. But if the marketing function isn't that power center yet, it's important that to get on that path, you need to be able to speak the language of finance, as Sean is saying, but really the language internally of the company's goals and, 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 and showing how the marketing-led initiatives are going to um, support those goals. And for, and for, the, uh, for, for attribution, can I please confirm that it was Mary's words of, uh, of speaking the language of finance. I, I embellished and, and grabbed hold of it, but uh, I was not the original author. Sorry, Mary. It's a recency thing, Sean. You were the last one to say it. I just want to know credit where credit's due. That's all I'm saying. Thank you, Sean. I'll hear about that from Mary later, I'm sure. (laughs) So how do you, I have one other big question for this topic today is how do you know if a marketing investment is successful or not? You know, and this is in the realm of ROI. How do you, how do you measure it? And how do you, how do you uh, validate it with the organization? You know, the, the, the short answer is you, you never know. It's always degrees of, uh, of probability. Um, the, the classic way is to, is to try and figure out what would happen if you hadn't done what you did and then count the incrementality. If you've been selling 40 widgets a week for the past year and you launch a new initiative and it's the only initiative that's been launched and you suddenly sell 50, then obviously it's quite easy to claim those 10 widgets a week incremental sales was possibly most likely due to your actions. So there's that attribution of, of cause and effect that you need to look at. It's rarely that simple. So you have to create a, a shared belief that, that it's the right thing to do. And that usually means, in my experience, planning ahead or projecting what you expect to happen and then judging your results against the outcome. If you're very passive and you're doing work and someone says, hey, I noticed that sales of X product has gone up, of course, it's, it's, a, it's a tempting opportunity to grab hold and say, oh, you know what that is, don't you? Because of you know, it's me, that's marketing, that's what we did. If you, if you plan out what you expect to happen within a range, and this is key, you, you, you can't predict the future. If we could, none of us would be sat here. But you can predict a sort of range of potential future outcomes. And if you get used to understanding that, that you're saying this initiative will drive a, res, a result between here and here, high and low, then you can judge the results against that to see how you did. Um, so I, I think the key is to be bold in your predictions and thoughtful in your predictions and then measure the results against your predictions. And that will give you credibility to claim success. But it is never a certainty it's always a, a speculation to an extent I, I think this is big enough for an entire podcast on its, on its own <laughs> because you know what you get into is um a couple of different things one is this this idea of intermediate metrics right where you know you look for 
evidence of how your initiatives seem to be doing. They have the benefit of maybe giving you a little bit of a, you know, indicator of whether you're doing well or not well before the end result comes in, you know, and I think we should write that down as that's, you know, we, we could, let's, let's do a whole podcast on inter, intermediate metrics. And, and the, other, the other thing that makes it really, really difficult is that uh, what we like to say is marketing is a collaborative sport. <laughs> You know, it, it really, we think that the marketer is the orchestrator of, of, of all the functions in the company on behalf of the customer and the company, right? It's like the, the, the go-between. And therefore, inherently, what you're doing requires other functions to do their job well, which inherently makes it very difficult to isolate um, marketing's uh, role in this, you know? So that's another episode. Maybe a third episode is like an Uber metric you know like is it a, a, a net promoter score and changes in that is it our own ability to win score is it a change in that i mean can marketing postulate some uber metrics that can really focus the company on how much equity that they're building in a way that maybe they're not measuring today so i think that's those those are all maybe topics of 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 um you know future podcasts sean i, I, I agree with what what you what you said about you know the options and parameterizing things, I just think there's a whole lot that goes into this. That we I think also have. you've got to look at. Uh, there's, there's obviously you're right. This is a big topic, but apart from being bold enough to predict the outcomes and measuring your success against those predictions, we've also got experimentation. These days, it's a lot easier to experiment. It's a lot easier to say if we change the tagline for this product to this and we target this segment through this medium with this message, then I think we'll get an incremental increase. Well, you could do an X, uh, sorry, an AB test of saying like, when we did this, we saw an incremental increase of 6%. And then you do it more broadly and you see a similar increase of say 5%. Then you've got strong confidence to claim it as being, it was predicted, it was experimented and it, and it played out as we had predicted. So experimenting is also a, a, an underused element of the marketer's armory in, in convincing both themselves and others that, that the investment is making a return. Yeah, I think that agile and lean, I mean, just the methodologies that, that you know, are, are good principles in development are also, you know, what a good marketer would be measuring, as you're saying, um, along the way. And, you know, waiting till you have sales is like the worst thing you could do in all this. You know, it's, it's the lagging indicator that someone goes, well, that you screwed that one up. We should have cut that program as opposed to, you know, being in the driver's seat, as you're saying uh, all along. And, and, you know, let's shift this, let's change this a little bit um, and, and do agile finance along the way. So, um, well, we want to thank you for joining us on this first episode of this new series. Um, and you can find all of our podcasts um, where you like to find your podcasts, including YouTube and um, SoundCloud, SoundCloud and um, on our Accidental Marketer website. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.